there, and welcome to the Verdant North Podcast. I'm your host today, Randy Barrett, and joined, as always, with Nikki Lyons, our spirit specialist, and with Caroline Hallstrom. That's her real name and everything, and our usual host. <laughs> but today, we are here recording on June 2nd, just a few short days after some ridiculous stuff happened. But we are here to bring you a little good news and a little bad news and some things in between, some things to go home with some missions to take on your own but we're going to start with that good news we're going to talk to nikki lyons real quick here and talk about a new cocktail she's bringing to the table and um, something for you guys all to try at home all righty so the cocktail we got here today it's um kind of a play on a gimlet which i wish i could say i was creative enough to have thought thought this out ahead of time but really it ended up being very topical for today so what it is it's a cocktail that'll come in handy once you know the polar ice caps melt they'll have to live at sea it's it's one of those ones that was actually invented to ward off scurvy um so if you go back in history and the fun cocktail history is a lot of it goes back to the british navy back in the day and so they used to have give out rations of either rum or gin or both um and they would eventually made a rule where they had to put some lemon juice or or lime juice in there to essentially get their daily rations of vitamin c because when you're out at sea for a long time it's hard to keep produce fresh and things like that and so that's apparently what causes scurvy is not eating enough fruit so um that's that and so the gimlet and another version the daiquiri made with rum so essentially you start with either gin or rum and then you add in some lemon juice or lime juice and then simple syrup so what they would do is they don't have to add the sugar to it but when you add sugar to citrus it actually acts as a preservative so it's a way to preserve that lemon juice or lime juice a little bit longer i did not know that yeah and those kind of three things that are being the basis of most cocktails so they're also three delicious things so yep I mean, this is great news yep match made in heaven <laughs> and it also turned out that i had brought the gin i had used is plymouth navy strength which is an overproof gin so it's 114 proof in now, the navy yep so drink a lot of gin i was gonna say you couldn't get that bombay yes. sapphire that was overloaded with gin yeah that's that's a whole other whole other animal i know a lot of people trying to track that one down just out of curiosity <laughs> Because what's actually interesting is some gins, once you have more alcohol in them, they actually have less of a burn and more of the actual flavor comes out. So what you're saying is they should start making it on purpose that way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with the, I think with the Bombay one that excellently came out, that was a little too high alcohol. That's, you know, people going blind level of alcohol. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> so yeah. So, so there's, there's a few out there like that. Permanently or like? I, I don't know. That's a good question. I've never experimented. Uh, well, don't. With permanent like, blindness. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, delicious and scary. Yes, but yes. these ones are only navy strength. Yes. So that term comes from essentially when they, what they always said was they wanted to make sure if the rum or the gin spilled on the boat, that if it hit the gunpowder, that the gunpowder would still be able to ignite. And it would have to be at least 100 proof in England, which translates to 114 proof in the U.S. Not quite sure how that all works. That's a little beyond my little science, little sciencey beyond where my brain can go with that. So essentially it has to be 114 proof. At that point, you can still ignite gunpowder. So if you try to, and what, what I think is they were trying to just make sure they had some strong alcohol and they weren't getting so, <laughs> their rations every day, weren't getting watered down by the government. So, uh, so yeah, so I figure a nice strong cocktail is what we all need after this week and, and some, some little tips to help us survive at sea. Excellent. <laughs> so these are pink. What's making these oh, pink? Oh yes. I forgot about that whole part. So, um, 
as we're getting the season, we have a lot of rhubarb around. So I had a pile of rhubarb that Carolyn gave me and started experimenting with some simple syrups. So I made three different ones. The one I used today is actually, so I did rhubarb simple syrup. What I did was I chopped up rhubarb, um, put it in about three cups of water. You could do it however much you want, just decide how much syrup you want to make. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I let that simmer for about five, ten minutes. Then I added in three cups of sugar. So just do equal parts sugar and water, you know, normal, simple syrup recipe. Then I simmer that whole thing another 20 minutes or so, let it sit for a little bit in the pan, and um, then strain out all the rhubarb. And then so we had just kind of a straight rhubarb syrup, which turns out a very pretty pink color. And then so I decided to try a couple different ones since I had made a lot of it um, with a few different flavors added. So this one I added clove and cardamom. Wow. Yes. So it was, and I want to do that because it plays off some of the botanicals used in this particular gin. Mm -hmm. So cardamom is one of those. So, and the root botanicals really tie in with rhubarb very well. So this is probably the most delicious drink that you've made for us so far. You've only made three so far. So this is tops. (laughs) (laughs) Don't, don't take my comment down a notch, Randy. No, this is really delicious. I I actually really like it. It's, it's super good. And, uh, uh, I'm just, and to be asking you, I know you got photos. You're going to have a recipe up on the web yep. blog site soon ish, whenever that happens. But I just want to make sure people know it's going to be out there for you to look at, read and try on your own. Yep. Yep. I'll have some pictures. I'll do a um, recipe for the syrup. Uh, another one I did that'll be coming up at an upcoming cocktail was a, where I did some ginger. Actually, it was just two different types of ginger in there. Um, so that one I'm still experimenting with, figuring how I'm going to use that in a cocktail. Mm, that'll be good. Yeah. So I'm excited for that one as well. And one that was just a straight rhubarb syrup. So, so yeah, I'll play with those until I get some other things to turn into a syrup or mash into a cocktail in some way or another but yeah just for now the basic recipe for this what I did was I did um, one and a half ounces of gin uh, one ounce of the rhubarb syrup Mm -hmm. and then three quarters ounce of fresh lemon juice this is so delicious let's let's cheers to a kick-ass cocktail all righty great job thank you cheers and I'm looking forward to those future cocktails, too, that you're trying out. So I'm excited a lot. Um, but that was delicious. Uh, we're going to drink some more of these. And if you haven't already, get a drink ready because uh, the next segment, we're going to get into some heavy duty bad news and then talk about what we can do about it. I like that we're drinking and then we're going to save the world. Isn't that the natural progression of when you're hanging out with your friends and you start talking about stuff going on and then you have all the best ideas and your friends are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So If not better, best ideas, best motivation. Yeah. yeah. The people yeah. who start talking about saving the world before they start drinking are usually kind of uh, suck. I know. I <laughs> a little too intense. <laughs> if you start before a couple of cocktails, you're a little too intense. You need to dial it down. So. Yeah. Yeah, you need a little bit of that Churchill in you. <laughs> All right, everybody, grab a drink. Uh, welcome back. Uh, we have our drinks ready to go. We've been drinking. Hopefully you have been because this is the more sobering part. So don't get yourself too upset yet. But um, like I said, we're recording on June 2nd and uh, a few days ago. I, this will be released hopefully within the next week. So this won't be too far back. But um, our current president, uh, Trump, he recently uh, made a point to say that he plans on withdrawing the U.S from the uh, Paris Agreement, which is uh, one of the biggest economic, or not economic, but biggest environmental bill um, kind of 
agreements that we've had in a long, long time since the Copenhagen Agreement, basically, that kind of flailed a little bit. This is one of the biggest supported by at least 150 countries. A good, Basically, the whole world is behind it, save for Nicaragua, Syria, and now us. Well, Syria's got a, got some bigger fish to fry no, at the no, moment. Yeah, and, and to be perfectly fair, Syria is in a, in a tough place. Nicaragua, they are avoiding signing it because it's not tough enough. That's Nicaragua's stance. Nicaragua is almost completely sustained on their own right. They think countries should go further. That's Nicaragua's stance on it. And for the U.S., President Trump made the point to say that we are stepping out of it because we are one of the fundamental leading countries that are helping fund more third world countries and providing assistance and getting them up to environmental standards. It's been something that he's mad that it's costing us money. Essentially, he's saying we're getting a raw deal in terms of providing assistance to other countries that need help in terms of turning their manufacturing into a more environmentally friendly sense. Now, to understand what the Paris agreement is, it's an agreement that all countries are making that they're going to um, basically limit their growth of greenhouse gases by only and, and they're basically limit the Earth's heat by only going up by two degrees centigrade. So and it, there's kind of a middle ground of between 1.5 to 2 degrees depending on the country you're in. Um, but the big deal is that most of the developed nations that have signed up that are there and the United States is still signed onto the accord. He him saying that he wants a withdrawal does not cancel out our signing of it. President Obama signed it signed it along with all the other countries and it went into effect on November 5th, 2016. So basically a day after the election ended in the US. Okay. Um, what that means for us is we are still in that in that agreement for the next 3 to 4 years. The first 3 years which started on that November 5th date was basically our bringing down our greenhouse gas emissions to lower our, the overall heat we're going to emit basically and keeping the earth. Um, and that fourth year is going to be the assessment period basically rolls into continuing to do what we do. But now that's the assessment. And that's what brings back us to the 2020 re-signing of that accord. Um, so him saying that we are out of it entirely is not doesn't extricate us from our responsibility yet. We still have a long ways to go. And not only that, but the enactment of this agreement, sorry, lots of words, um, is enacted more at a local level too. Mm -hmm. So him saying that we are out of it does not mean that any of this country is going to be gone um, from this Paris Agreement. There are already 93 mayors from 93 major cities and around the country that have agreed that they're going to continue to push the Paris Agreement as part of their as part of their agreement that they will not uh, stop in terms of uh, preventing global warming from worsening. Now, that doesn't stop Congress from preventing funding of the things that we had talked about before. That is the uh, funding for third world nations having some of that. But even um, the mayor of Minneapolis, she signed on my old stomping grounds in Burlington. Oh, she he signed on. Betsy um, so you can you can count on a lot of the major urban centers in our country being in on this and making sure that they're going to work their best to lower these emission standards. Um, 
good. So that, that uh, there are some good signs of hope. But like Libertarians should like that, though, because they like things a little more local. And it, it's a great local level thing, and it's kind of um, the best we have right now because after um, essentially they're used for a while now, a, a moderate factor that used to play into a lot of these things was cap and trade, and we kind of heard about that through the 2000, into the 2000s until Republicans went real to the right and said that's just a that's just another term for tax and we're like no it's an economic motivator for being environmentally friendly so after that kind of went out the window we've gone into more multinational agreements like the Paris Agreement Mm. so now we are kind of at this fact that in coming up in the next four years the next resigning is coincidentally again a day after the national US election for our new president in 2020 what does that mean for all of us that means we need to be motivated to look to voting out these people who are staunchly in support of you know our environment going to complete for business friendly reasons you gotta fight the idea that pulling out is a valid way to prevent pregnancy I mean <laughs> <laughs> pulling out is a valid way to save us money because it's not it, it, it's it's really not and the fact being is a lot of the co- people who are on his on the presidential Trump's uh, corporation board have already left the board because now that a lot of them have been behind this because they see themselves as this is an economic growing factor because even if we don't do it China and India are ahead of us we know that now there's they're starting to get to a point where they can start man meeting out their environmental impacts okay. where we are kind of refusing that point but in that in that way though we still have some real hope if we make a a concerted effort in basically voting out anybody who believes that we should be buying into purely business friendly specs and not looking out for the environment. And that's kind of kind of a hard point because that's a few years away. We have 2018, we have midterms. In 2020, we have a presidential election. So we have a lot of time between that time now from now. But at the same time, it feels really short. Within a year, you're going to start seeing campaigns for house runs. So we have a lot of work to do in getting people elected that are there that can do really good work. And I think another way where I can make a big impact too is, you know, we talked about businesses. Support businesses by from businesses that are economic or uh, environmentally environmentally sustainable. Absolutely, and I think that's a way where you know it makes everyone happy. People want you know want free market. You know, use your dollar as your as your currency for you know voting for you know saying we want companies who do this. If that's where you know money's going, companies will follow suit, and that's you know important thing to to focus on as well. Yeah. And and the fact that energy corporations, even places like Shell and some of these organizations that are like longtime oil barons basically are saying we need renewables regardless of what you think and so that's exactly it we need to support those local businesses when the oil company thinks you got the energy policy wrong (laughs) (laughs) and they want renewables like you know shit's bad that's exactly it and and you know all the campaign promises in the world aren't going to bring back coal mining jobs that's not where energy's at solar is far more efficient and far more effective in getting more energy out there than coal is now. Did you it's see, far out past Did you see it. all those stories? Like, the, there were stories about, like, this coal mining historical 
place, like a little museum, they uh, installed a bunch of solar panels to <laughs> run their whole know. museum. And it's uh, interesting because I was trying to bring back these almost, you know, these, you know, it's unfortunately dead industries. Like I lived for a while up in the Iron Range in Minnesota, seeing the effects of the mines close it down and stuff like that. But also, why not create new industries around new sustainable energy? That's, you know, it seems like the logical way to go. And, I've seen a lot of stories about how and, many jobs are created in the renewable energy sector. So and, and, smart. Uh, and in all honesty, I mean, one of the campaign promises that Trump ran on is infrastructure investment. What's more infrastructurally investment than conversion to new energy resources? Oh, and, novel idea. And uh, crazy, but uh, he's made a lot of promises to a lot of bass backwards uh, corporate leaders in the coal and some of the more dirty in, uh, energy fields. And, uh, you know, as much as he pledged to bring coal mining jobs back, they aren't coming back. I'm sorry, guys. This ain't happening. Um, and I mean, and we shouldn't want that to come back. But I want those people to have jobs. So exactly. I support mm-hmm. any effort to give those people training and opportunities to work in another sector, whatever they're choosing. And hopefully we'll have a lot more things available around renewable energies, because if the whole world is going to need it, America, here's your f- call. Yeah. And that's exactly it. I mean, your first step, at least politically wise, is look to 2018. Look for those leaders, regardless of their political party, that are looking to reinforce scientific fact, who are looking to reinforce the fact that we need an Earth to live in. Uh, so 2018 is your first goalpost. 2020 is still further out of the way, and we still have a lot of work to do. And getting Trump out of there isn't going to stop these jackasses from doing this stuff. Oh, my. Ray, yeah. I, I pulled out the JK Whoa. I know. But um, no, but I mean, there there is that the political insight. But what are really some things people can do at home? Start really making steps towards lowering their environmental footprint and damaging the environment is less. Well, carbon footprint. Excuse me. I got a ton of ideas for what you can do at home. I'm going to make I'm going to bring this back to gardening a little bit and bring it back to a personal level. What can you do as an individual? Okay, so there is a ton, a ton of information online that you can do. I'm going to post a summary of this episode with links on every point that I'm going to talk to. So without further ado, here is Verdant North's guide on impact and climate. Uh, Hey, team, did you know that the United States has the biggest carbon footprint per capita. I, I did, yet I didn't. <laughs> so, just so you know, we're worse than China per person uh, on a carbon emissions scale. So, we are pretty spoiled in our energy consumption and our resource consumption, which has been great so far. But now we understand a little more. Uh, we want to make some changes. So, on this recap, there will be a link to some of the issues around uh, what different countries emit. Um, So what can we actually do? My friend uh, Ben Bradley just the other day posted a great little suggestion to everybody without 
bitching about politics, he gently noted that Excel Energy offers a renewable resources option. And it only cost him about five bucks extra per month on his power bill. He even gave instructions and links like, what a great idea, Benzo. Leadership skills right there. I like it. And so here's a bunch more stuff that you as a person, whether you rent or own, whatever, these are all things that you can do. So I hope you pick a few. We're going to start at your house with water, and then later we'll talk about air. So starting with water. Water in the morning when it's cool outside. This reduces evaporation, and plants don't like to be wet in full sun anyways. It can burn their leaves. Watering when it's hot reduces how much water actually gets into your plants because things evaporate and blow away. Watering at night can lead to fungus and rot issues. I've included some links on proper watering techniques as well. Also, when you do water, you can water deeper and therefore less frequently. For those of us with perennial plants and lawns, it's a great idea to water really well just a couple of times a week. This encourages plants to have deeper roots to access water, and that keeps the lawn greener between waterings. Uh, Sweep up your grass clippings after you mow your lawn. Don't let them get washed down into the storm drains because this adds a ton of nitrogen to our local Mississippi waters or your Missouri River waters or your Lake Superior waters, wherever you are in the Midwest. It can lead to algae blooms, which is really nasty. We know we don't like swimming in that stuff. And it also affects the fish and plants in our waters. So just sweep up your grass clippings, put them in a yard waste bag, deal with them properly. Really easy. Keep water on your own property using rain barrels and rain gardens. Info on rain gardens and volunteer opportunities can be found online at metroblooms.org. And there are even grants to assist homeowners with costs around installing rain gardens. Look for those grants. Look for those scholarships. Minnehaha Watershed District has them. Uh, Hennepin County has them. The greater Minnesota areas have options, too. I've included links to South Dakotans, North Dakotans, Wisconsin, uh, as well as Iowa, Nebraska, and hey, shout out to Boston. I heard I had a couple of listeners to my last podcast out there. You can get involved, too. I've got a link to the EPA's website and things that are going on in your neck of the woods. So, hey, hi, thanks for listening. You probably can ask a Vermonter what they're doing and probably apply it there. Vermont, what are you doing? Almost 100% renewable baby in that state. Oh my God, Vermont, I will give you a high five. I like that. Uh, At home, to conserve a bit of water, make peace with an imperfect lawn. Also, the less fertilizer and herbicides you use in your lawn, the less gets into our water. A lawn watered deeply and less frequently will grow slower and need less mowing. And if you use the water deeply twicely, we get trick. Twicely is a word I invented. Twicely. Your lawn will be able to go between waterings just fine. Uh, Other options for weeding without any kinds of uh, additional chemicals include hand power, flame weeders, and boiling water to kill off stuff. But hey, be smart. Don't boil your ornamentals or yourself for that matter. Use your best judgment. Make good choices. Uh, If you're a homeowner, consider a no-mow yard with low-water plants. This idea is called xeriscaping. 
It utilizes plants that need little to no water once they're established. The return on investment is a great looking yard you don't have to fuss with very often. So I've included some links around xeriscaping. And then uh, (laughs) if you're all about hippie bonus points with water wisdom, shower less or co-shower with your lover bunny and (laughs) flush the toilet a little (laughs) less. Uh, That's something anybody can do anywhere. And it may take a little getting used to, but, you know, reduce where you can. If it's yellow, let Let it it mellow. Unless you ate asparagus. Uh, If it's brown, flush it down. (laughs) If it's black, call the doctor. Uh, or WebMD, like we all do, and self-diagnose with incorrect things. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm a symbiote. See a real medical <laughs> professional. I'm a chimera. Oh, no. I'm venom. <laughs> okay, so now we talked about water. Did you get that? Is there anything on that water list that you can do, guys? I can, I can probably keep more water in our, in our yard, actually. Because uh, I don't do anything with our piping, and we live in a rental, but I'm sure we can do more with what water we get from rain, things like that. Heck yeah, even if it's raining and you set out a bucket, and that's what you use to water with, uh, nothing's going to grow mosquitoes as long as it's emptied every two days. I mean, maybe the mosquitoes will lay eggs, but then you dump them out and they die, so it doesn't even matter. I was going to say, if you're in Minnesota, it doesn't matter. Store water. You're going to get mosquitoes regardless. <laughs> So I'm assuming this is where my laziness pays off. I also live in a rental, but I have never watered my lawn and never intend to. So it's every once in a while, my landlord yells at me to mow it, and that's it. Okay, there you go. No, I that is the method that Jesse and I took when we bought our house in South Minneapolis. We don't. We try to. When it looks really shaggy, okay, we mow it, but we don't mow it every week. Um, we don't water very frequently. Our lawn is admittedly very diverse. Uh, there's a lot of things growing along with the grass, but I intend on ripping it all out and putting in a rad Xeriscape garden uh, in my wedding colors. Oh, I'm being so sweet. Okay, so take another sip of your beverage. My beverage is, my beverage runneth dry. Oh, that's okay. It tasted so good. Don't tell mine. I had the giant glass. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Please. <laughs> See if I can do this without spilling. I'm going to move your phone out of the way. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Okay. There we are. All right. That was water. Taking a drink. Good. Ready for the next topic. Let's talk about air. Greenhouse gases, carbon, that kind of thing. So greenhouse gases are produced by our cars, the electricity we use, and things burning. So unpopular suggestion, but hey, hear me out. Consider it. Skip the fire pits this summer since they add to poor air quality in the city. You're directly releasing carbon right into the atmosphere without even capturing the energy created by combustion like your car or electricity plants do. You could at least reduce the number of times you have a backyard fire pit party. Find a good balance, get creative with lights and candles, and face it, everyone is there for the beer. Anyway, I have a story on how fire pits uh, impact your local areas. Secondly, plant things in your yard that are great at fixing carbon. Plants like berry bushes and canes and big grasses and greens do a great job of fixing carbon and keeping it in their roots and in their stems. Uh, There's a cool story on PRI about starting your own backyard carbon farm. Did you know that tilling releases carbon too? 
So wherever you can reduce tilling on your property, that will help carbon to stay locked up in the dirt. Use mulches where you can, and this also helps with weed suppression and water conservation. Do either of you guys compost? We have a... No. (laughs) No. Well... You know, home compost if you can, or consider participating in your community's efforts to recycle organics. Compost basics uh, by the EPA can be found online, and a lot of cities have an organics recycling program, which is pretty sweet. I know we do. We have a organics uh, big bin outside. We just got to take the time to actually do that job. So, so that's on us, and that's like something we talked about, but we've been in and out so often, and then that's lazy. So, all right, here's my life. Life hack. Life hack this. And I haven't gotten in trouble yet. If I do, I'll let you know. But they want you to have like decomposable bags to put all of your kitchen scraps in, or you can just fold up pizza boxes and stick it in there. So first of all, start stuffing your pizza boxes in there. Randy, I know you like pizza boxes. Oh, just pizza boxes, though. No pizza. <laughs> I just ordered the boxes. <laughs> I just ordered greasy boxes and rubbed them on my face. No. <laughs> And my cat. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So uh, in Minneapolis, you can recycle your organics. So what I do is when I am making dinner, I grab a paper bag, like a paper grocery bag, because I already have them. They're already decomposable, compostable, decompostable. People are just going to make fun of me for saying bag right there. That's <laughs> what I think they is going to happen. <laughs> Not me stumbling. Yeah. All right. I'm I'm from the Midwest. I'm from South Dakota. I, I is that your bag? <laughs> yes, it's my bag. But hey, just use a paper grocery bag. Throw all of your food scraps in there, your corn cobs, your corn husks if you're grilling, your burger buns, your greasy salad leftovers, anything that's nasty in the refrigerator, your chicken bones, your sp- Boiled dairy products, whatever. Just dump it in a paper bag, roll it up, stick it in the garbage. No problem. You don't even have to buy fancy bags for it. If you do buy fancy bags, then you're a better person than I am. But that's my life hack. Just buy some of those little like doggy bag takeout, you know, like paper bags for lunch. Yeah. Lunch bags. Yeah. And then when you're making dinner, just throw any scraps and stuff in there and then when you're done eating dinner scrape your plate into it take it right outside your kitchen doesn't smell like nasty spoiled produce and it's in a bag which makes the city happy done done donezo (laughs) okay all right so we talked about compost let's go back to plants consider planting shade trees to cool your house in the summer and to protect you from strong winter winds uh there's a ton of guides online for picking out trees for your property based on what you want them to do for you or for the birds and based on what soil and water requirements you have shop as local as you're able and consider running to the corner store on your bike biking in the United States could save 11% of our greenhouse gas emissions. And, you know, a lot of people live pretty close to a source where they can pick up some beer. So try it on a bike. (laughs) Another less popular opinion, but hey, hear me out. Eat a little bit less meat. Meat production is a huge part of greenhouse gases. And in the United States, we eat like three times the amount per person that the CDC recommends we consume. So let's try and make it just like 
two times the amount the CDC recommends. Uh, even just one day a week without meat can make a huge difference in greenhouse gases. And it'll be easy. It'll be just like Lent all year. Check out the Meatless Mondays movement online or Thug Kitchen Eat Like You Give a f- those books crack me up because they're full of swear words. <laughs> and then kind of a no brainer easy thing is air dry your clothes, whether it's outside, inside, whatever. So those are all things you can do at home for the air and for the water. No big deal. I'm going to shift now to uh, community impacts and other notable ways to control your own waste. So talking about Ben Bradley's movement again, support your energy company's efforts to go renewable. If it costs me five or six bucks a month more on my energy bill to encourage Excel Energy to invest in more renewable energy programs. Cool. I can afford that. That's like me buying a beer for the planet. Easy. Uh, I've included a link if you want to know about that. Next, you can support your community government's efforts to recycle. Minneapolis has a great organic recycling program I just told you about. Uh, But if you don't live in Minneapolis, make sure your city council knows how you'd like recycling to go on anything, Uh, even if it doesn't make the county or city any money. For instance, let's talk about South Dakota. My mom is a newspaper editor, which means she's super smart. She attended the Social Justice Committee of the Diocese of Rapid Cities workshop called Care of Creation. My mom's Catholic. Did you guys know that? She's a sweet lady. They had uh, a bunch of speakers explaining the great parts of Rapid City, South Dakota's efforts to deal with waste through the use of methane gas generated at the dump, employing people to sort waste. This was a great way to get people like people who need a second chance because they have some criminal background to get a job where they make enough money to actually be a contributing member of society and make a good living. Um And they also talked about how much it actually costs to neutralize toxic chemicals, and it can be really expensive. So that's awesome. They Not awesome is they also talked about some of the smaller towns in South Dakota had decided to end their recycling programs because they weren't making money. Recycling shouldn't be dependent on the volume of profit that a a county is making. And often these programs are cost neutral. So support the local creation of jobs in your city. Call your city council person. Tell them what you'd like to do about recycling. If you have a local church, a brewery volunteer group, like with Insight or that kind of thing, um, or an environmental organization, you can support their efforts too. Make friends with your neighbors in town, see what organized efforts are going on, and come together right now. Over me. (laughs) Randy, you stole it. (laughs) Damn it, Randy. Okay. Uh, You can also contact your city reps and your mayor and ask if your city is going to uphold the Paris Climate Agreement guidelines. Shout out to Pittsburgh. I like your sass. Randy already told us that Minneapolis and Minnesota have its own agenda, too. So, hey, I like it. Um, Next, you can reduce your plastic waste. You probably already know about having your own water bottle that's reusable, your coffee cup that's reusable, your shopping bags that are reusable. Um, The next step is why not also carry around a metal straw or a fork. It's a tiny shift that will keep plastic out of landfills and waters. And if you're dining in, do you really need a lid and a straw anyway? Maybe not. 
reduce your textile waste. Clothing takes up a huge amount of space in landfills, so please donate old clothes, upcycle things like Refashionista does if you're talented. I wish I was. Make t-shirt yarn if you're a crafty badass, or look at other ways to recycle fabrics. Now that we've talked about community efforts, let's go bigger. Countrywide and global things that you can do. Go ahead, contact your state reps and annoy the capital. Express your concern about climate change and the way it'll impact our territory and the world. Tell them how you'd like things to be handled. Tools like ResistBot make it as easy as writing a text and it'll get faxed directly to your reps. Links are included. And if I can add, uh, resistancerecess.com. That'll tell you when your congressman is on recess and is going to hold a town hall meeting. Go there. Scare the sh- out of them or just talk to them rationally That's rationally cool but go up to them they they when they meet people face to face if you've seen the town halls they that changes some minds hello sir i am your constituent I'm and your this constituent. is what i think and feel if you want my vote you need to help me because you work for me if you want to laugh at daryl isa sitting on a roof again oh, answering no. calls because he doesn't want to deal with his constituents who <laughs> hate him for supporting trump policies is that as bad as sean spicer hiding in the bushes no pretty much he's just sitting on a roof like <laughs> Uh, Michael Scott from the office answered his phone <laughs> like a jerk. So if you want more of that, resistancerecess.com. That means you can go talk to your local Congress people face to face if they're holding it. Some of them have canceled it because they, you know, don't like dealing with constituents. Bye, 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 bye. Mm-hmm. There's that. Sorry. You know what? You pay taxes. These people work for you. Whether or not you voted for them, they work for you. So go ahead, go hear what they have to say, share your thoughts, however you choose to do so. And uh, yeah, it's open communication. That's really good. It's a beautiful thing, baby. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. Uh, okay, back to back to my list. We're almost done, I swear. I know this is a long podcast. Oh, it's fine. Okay, big breath. <laughs> All right, so uh, Nikki already mentioned supporting businesses that are carbon neutral when you can. And so I have a link to a few businesses that are trying to be carbon neutral. And you know what? You're going to be surprised by the names on that list. So awesome. Uh, take the carbon neutral pledge and measure your individual impact. There are a few companies who will help you figure out what your own household's footprint is and give you ways to offset your carbon impact by donating to organizations that are organizations, organizations, there we go, that are fighting to lower (laughs) greenhouse gas emissions all over the world. Uh, ClimateNeutralNow.org has a bunch of info and they also have a link of where you can buy offset credits that uh, from the United Nations with a bunch of different places. So I can say, oh, it looks like I generated maybe $35 worth of carbon this year. Uh, okay, I will give the United Nations $35 and I want them to put it into solar panels in India. Because guess what? Solar panels in India are going to make a lot more sense than solar panels in Minnesota. I cannot afford to buy Tesla rad infinite warranty solar panels for my house at this point in time. I hope I can. Great job, Tesla. But, (laughs) you know, there's not a lot of us millennials that are rolling in the dough and are homeowners. So, but... I can afford 35 bucks to buy my carbon credits and to support efforts in other countries. So that's super rad. 
Next, uh, learn about the rainforest and how it's a huge carbon fixing point of our planet. It's it's awesome. So go watch Planet Earth, drink a bunch of beers, uh, and then donate to places that work to protect the rainforest and give farmers in tropical countries help as they switch to sustainable crops. I've got some info at the rainforestalliance.org. Support your national and state parks and their conservation efforts. So, you know what? Now's a great time to drive around the Badlands and the Grasslands in South Dakota, go feed a donkey in the Black Hills, camp in a yurt in Minnesota, canoe in the Lake of the Woods, go fishing and enjoy the lovely lakes up north, take a hike, soak it in while you got it. Just remember to leave it cleaner than you found it. Pack it in, pack it out. So I shouldn't give the gum, the donkeys gummy bears when I go to South Dakota this summer. I don't think gummy bears are a part of donkeys' natural. Right. Just wanted to make sure because. But pita chips are. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Those might be my car. Most likely going to be gummy bears on the road trip, but I'll try to throw some <laughs> chips or something in there too. <laughs> the burros will eat anything, and, and to be fair, they were introduced in that environment in the you know late 1800s. They're all right. Yeah, leave the buffalo alone though. Take. Yeah, the burro. The burros are like big don't dogs. Get close. <laughs> Uh, if you're really intense about this kind of thing, you can take a crazy vacation where you do a little bit of eco-volunteering. Uh, plus, you might make a, make a friend or two internationally on Facebook. You might learn a thing or two about another culture. That's pretty cool. So there's a link to those kinds of endeavors as well. If you're looking for a great eco-country, Costa Rica was one of my favorite places to go to that is definitely eco-friendly. You're usually support you buying into an economy that is very eco-sensitive and very, very ready to go. Costa Rica. Costa Rica is amazing. amazing. I love Costa Rica. I took this class with great friend Haley Spears uh, and we went to Costa Rica to study neotropical biodiversity, which is a fancy way of saying there's a lot of different kinds of rainforests and Costa Rica, even though it's like the third, a third the size of South Dakota, has crazy changes in environments based on altitude and which side of the ocean you're on. Well, which side of Costa Rica you're on, which ocean you're looking at. But it was so amazing. It was the best. Uh, and somehow I ended up with dog tags to a break dancer because he thought I was really beautiful. His name was Dorian. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dorian loves you. My Costa Rican break dancing dog tags story. I can tell at length maybe later on. But... I'm going to wrap it up. So that's a big list of options that you and your household can do. But it's by no means comprehensive. So do a little research for your own hometown. Try out something that works for you. Have a conversation. See what seems reasonable for your house, with your roommates, with your family. And think about what you can do inside, what you can do in the yard. Think about your community efforts and make use of the fact that you can contact your local and national representatives in a dozen different ways. We can all try to do a little something. Uh, don't be overwhelmed. Pick like three things to start with. Work some projects into your future and spread the word. So, hey, thanks everybody for listening this far or reading this far if you're reading the recap online. Um, and I want to end it by saying it's okay to save the planet. I think it's more than okay. Thank <laughs> Let's you. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, bye. bye guys. Love you. Thanks for listening to Verdant North. Find our blog posts online at verdantnorth.net. Find us on Twitter at Verdant North. And you can find us on Facebook by searching Verdant North. 
If you want to contact us but hate social media, you can email us at verdantnorthteam at gmail.com. You can hear this podcast through SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play Music. Don't forget to like, rate, and comment and share the podcast. The more likes, ratings, comments we receive, the more visible this podcast becomes. You can find Caroline Hallstrom on Twitter at Miss Zero Line. It's not how it's pronounced, but that's how it's spelled. You can find Nikki Lyons on Instagram at November Blue 83. That's November BLU 83. You can find me on Twitter at at Marlon underscore Rando. You can also hear me on the Scattered Podcast, also available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Music Play, or find us on our blog at scatteredpodcast.wordpress.com. Special thanks to, as always, our team of Bri Edisted, Daivu, and Corey Hatong for their graphics and keeping our webpage on the air. And as always, a thanks to Minneapolis band Volcanus for letting us use their music. You can follow their video blog project on YouTube and listen to them and arch rival band Prozac Rat on Bandcamp, YouTube, and find them on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. And a big reminder, today we're releasing this episode on World Environment Day. So as always, as this episode's hard is, big shout out to all the people who are sticking with the Paris Agreement, who are looking to improve their better the betterment of this world for our future generations. And as always, it's okay to kill plants, but it's even better to save the planet.